welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, I'm Tristan Riddell. And I'm John Mills. And welcome to the Senate floor. Talk nerdy to me. Welcome to Nerd Party. That's right, John Mills is back again on the Senate floor. This is episode 59, and we thank you so much for all that you do for the Nerd Party Network. You can find all of our shows at thenerdparty.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thenerdparty, and you can go to Twitter as well and find us at joinnerdparty. There is no excuse to not know how to reach out to us and contact us. And speaking of contact, you can email us at contact at thenerdparty.com. We love to hear from you. We love getting listener submissions on what we can talk about, and we have something really awesome that we're talking about today. Yes, we do. We're talking about <laughs> the Joker. Joker! Yeah. I, okay, you and I have been wanting to do this for a while now. Like, you you and I, like, yeah. uh, we've been texting each other saying, like, hey, we need to podcast with each other more. What can we talk about? And I do believe that history of the joker analysis of the joker just just basic not even that not even as detailed as that just riffing about all the on-screen iterations of joker was at the top of our list yes definitely absolutely it was because both of us are such batman fans that you know i mean it's peanut butter and jelly you can't talk about batman without at least thinking of the joker because you know it's holmes and moriarty you know they they go together they're peas in a pod and uh, so we've you know we throw Batman jokes at each other, including a delightful conversation we had the other day that nobody will be privy to, where we basically recast uh, the Batman <laughs> universe. Um, <laughs> it went quite well, Master Bruce. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, yeah, we, we keep coming back to the Joker. And I, I think that, you know, I, I've always been very curious because I know your feelings on the Batman. You know my feelings on the Batman. We talk, we make reference to Bane all the time, and we make throwaway mm-hmm. references to Ledger, but we've never really done like a deep dive about the Joker, about what he's meant. And, you know, the different Jokers have different effects on you, if you will. And so, I, yeah, I, I think this is a good conversation to have. It's, fu- it's funny that you phrase it that way, that the Jokers have different effects on you, because one fan theory that I, I, it's not even really a fan theory, more as a fan commentary about uh, the on-screen iterations of Joker and the influence that they've had with drug culture, or I should say the reverse, that drug culture has influenced the on-screen iterations. Have you heard about this? I have heard about it in passing, that I think it's that the Jack Nicholson Joker is cocaine-era Joker. Um, Yes. The Ledger Joker is heroin-era Joker. And now we have uh, the methamphetamine joker uh the the crystal meth because isn't meth i don't do any of these drugs so but isn't (laughs) meth sort of of the same family as cocaine aren't they both essentially sort of the same thing don't they have the same effect no no uh, cocaine comes from a plant and meth is chemically made okay so it's like the difference between um get i don't know getting your vitamins from broccoli and getting them from a pop tart (laughs) would that be fair you know what? I, I've seen a lot of Breaking Bad, but it doesn't make me an expert, so I can't really comment <laughs> on that. But one thing, like, and if you look at Cesar Romero's, yeah. you know, like, you, 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 it's LSD. So, you oh, have see, LS- LSD? Do you think it would be LSD? 
I think so. Like, if you look at them, you know, like, you look at, like, these acid trips and, and everything going on. Like, it's just so, like, LSD in the 60s, cocaine in the 80s, heroin in the early 2000s, and meth today. I think, and if you look at their looks. Yeah. It, like, LSD is, like, super crazy and really trippy. And, and like, that's what Cesar Romero looks like. Cocaine is very business world. Yeah. And, you know, no, like, he's true. a he's very much a, a gangster in a suit. Heroin is all strung out and just, like, unwashed and unbathed and... Like just yeah. like tired all the time, and meth is like super excited, missing teeth, you know. And yeah. it's just it it just works. It's just something. Now I don't think it's something by design, but it's something that when you throw it out there, you're like, holy crap, that does work. Uh, it it does. I like, and it it seems strange, but like a dog with a bone, I'm not letting go of what Caesar Romero <laughs> comes from because I don't think it's LSD. I would say that he comes from uh, marijuana because what because um uh. Based on what I've read and uh, observed through time, um, marijuana basically produces a lot of just crazy ideas that you think are fantastic but aren't good. Like it, it, it produces sort of a, a, a it brings out from somebody a a talkative, rambling, crazy sort of thought of like, wouldn't it be cool if, uh, hey, what if we robbed? you know, the the jewelry store, but we only took the biggest diamonds and then we rearranged everything else in a trap for bat, you know, like it's that sort of thing. <laughs> Whereas like LSD is much is a much more aggressive drug, like a much more, you know, like warping of reality. Because as crazy as Cesar Romero's Joker is, he's very rooted. He There's nothing he, well, okay. I get, see, the thing is, I'm, I'm just going around in this because I guess of the of the Batman villains in the 60s show, was there anything he did that was more reality altering than any of the other ones? Well, I think it really just comes down to personality and, and presentation of, of mannerisms and everything like that. Because marijuana is, is presented as such a lethargic drug, you know, where you're just kind of like you're just laying down and like not really doing anything. Just like, ah, oh, that would be awesome, man. But LSE, you know, causes hallucinations and they call it a trip. Like no one says you're on a trip when you know you do marijuana yeah. but this is really funny that you and i specifically john mills and tristan <laughs> riddell are having a debate about the effects of lsd and marijuana when <laughs> i personally have done neither well i i would say that the two of us were more authoritative than uh, dr timothy leary on the subject of lsd probably um <laughs> throwaway joke for the older folks in the audience um and i you know i just yeah, I, I do. Yeah, it, it is. It is kind of weird that you and I are. You know what? Let's just agree that he's 60s drug culture. I agree. With there that. you go. Yeah, there, there you, you go. go. Yes. 60s drug culture. Yeah. Moving on. OK, yeah. so what we're going to talk about today. Actually, you know what? Like, I want to talk about clowns because he's the clown prince. Yes. And I uh, there's something happening in the news right now. Oh, yeah. Where I know very little about it. I've been kind of disconnected from the internet lately. Some of you who might be listening to this follow me on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. You know, so I, I just haven't been posting a lot. I've been trying to distance myself from online for a little bit. Smart and, and so I've been missing out on all of this nonsense that has been mm -hmm. happening. And um, uh, the girl just uh, is actually, as we record this, is in the middle of producing a play, uh, a high school play. And all these kids just keep talking about clowns 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 yeah. clowns like like they don't want to hang out outside because they said like oh the clowns are gonna get me so they run inside and they're almost like giggling while they do it yeah and i have no idea what they're talking about but then one kid came up to me and said they're like oh yeah clowns all over the world are killing people 
I was like, are they? Are <laughs> no, they really? <laughs> no, 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 no. See that that this is the this is the wonderful thing about the the urban legend aspect of it is there are a couple of guys. I think this. I think the first report I read about was in California. Big shocker. And it was just about a guy that was dressed in a clown outfit that was like hanging around on the edge of neighborhoods and playgrounds, and he wasn't doing anything. He was just standing there staring at people, right? Like, and it was at nighttime and stuff like that. And I mean, if you see a clown at night, this is the thing is clowns have this sort of big mystique built around them. It's like everybody's afraid of clowns. Oh, clowns are terrible. But it really is the it's seeing a clown out of context. If I see a clown at the circus, I don't care. It's oh, it's a clown right. at the circus. But yeah. it's a it's a you know what? I'll make a Simpsons reference here. Seeing a clown, somebody dressed up as a clown standing around at night is like the uh, Simpsons episode where uh, Bart is standing outside w- with a kite at nighttime for no reason. <laughs> and and Marge looks out and she and she says, he's not doing anything technically against rules. It just seems odd. And he just looks up and just says, hello, mother. You know, like it's a juxtaposition of weird things that don't go together. Now, uh, there have been other stories where there have been clowns that have shown up and tried to entice children off of playgrounds and this that gets back to i mean this is deeply rooted in the john wayne gacy thing because Mm -hmm. that changed how clowns were perceived forever but basically it's now ballooned out to the point where people are seeing clowns everywhere people are saying oh clowns are killing everybody and clowns are doing this and clowns are it's gotten it's gotten way off the rails out of control at this point and all it took was the the nationwide reporting of a couple of localized incidents I mean, I mean, the whole clown thing is a real study in how easy it is for things to get sort of blown out of proportion. So there's been no deaths? Not that I'm aware of. Holy crap. And we yeah. as a nation have come together in fear yes. because some jackass in California was standing on a corner trying to scare people? Correct. I'm in the Midwest, okay? Yes. I am north of Chicago, and these kids will not stand outside. Because either for attention, just so they can say it, or yeah. out of genuine fear, because they feel like they're what there's this nationalized gang of clowns. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the Joker is back, and he's got a whole bunch. Of, oh, wait a minute! They're like the uh, you know what? They're like um, the uh, the fake Batman in the Dark Knight. Yes, right. They're going out there helping the Joker, wearing you know? hockey pads. Yeah, yeah. or oh, like in Batman Beyond. Where, like, the Joker is gone, but there's this gang of Jokers now That's right. carrying on. You know, like, it's, it's no, they're not the Joker. They're carrying on his beliefs. Right. Which uh, is terrifying if you think about it. Uh, yeah, it really kind of is. But the thing is, with the, with the way that the, the story has spread, and, you know, we're talking about how it's just gotten sort of, you know, out of control and everything. Like, that actually harkens back to how Ledger's Joker operated, which was just screwing with people... You know, when he has that whole diatribe where he talks about, you know, if I tell you a gangbanger is going to get shot, you don't care. If you tell me if I tell you that a soldier is going to die, you don't care. But one little mare, you know, and it's all because, again, the clown standing around at night or somebody dressed up as a clown just in a neighborhood. I mean, even during the daylight, it's like, why are you dressed up as a clown? That's weird, man. Like, that's enough to just send people spinning, you know, just like absolutely having trouble coping with that. And, you know. I don't know. I mean, if I saw somebody in I have kids, if I saw somebody in my neighborhood dressed as a clown standing at the end of the street, I don't care what he's doing. I'm going up to him and I'm saying, sir, would you please or madam, would you please leave right now? Because I don't appreciate you being here. 
You know? Thank you very much for creeping out my night. Exactly. Uh, yeah, there was one time I was driving and it was I was just going about my day, you know, like singing a song. And <laughs> there was a car pulled up right next to me and a clown was driving the car. Oh, man. I mean, fro like blue fro, yes. full makeup, yeah. like like outfit. And it was a woman. And it kind of took me off guard just because it was broad daylight. It wasn't a clown car, quote unquote. It was like a, I don't know, it was like a Toyota. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. And sell, it was like a Celica or something. And they're just driving and, and, and they, look, they, they look super serious. Like they looked pissed. <laughs> and they weren't they weren't crying it wasn't like the sad clown motif it was yeah. just they were and it took me off guard because i was like oh my god what is a clown doing driving a car and it not being a clown car why aren't you at a party and i was like oh well they got to get to the party right and probably the annoyed expression was i'm driving through the city dressed like a clown <laughs> you know that's 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 not the, now you know what though you, you mentioned that that clown was a female with all the iterations of joker i find it interesting do we have sort of like a naturally um, ingrained uh, impression of clowns as male? Yes. Okay. Wouldn't it be great if we saw a Joker who was female? Wouldn't that be so neat? Like it, it would it would mess with it. It would make it seem more uh, out of the ordinary to us. It would immediately play on what on our expectations. It would immediately throw us off because we, you know when I hear clown, I think dude. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, I, you know, I would be surprised if most people didn't, you know, you, that, that you would sit there and think that. I, I think that's I think that's absolutely accurate. I think like when people like if you told somebody to envision a clown, if we could read minds, I feel like ninety nine point nine percent of people would think would picture that stereotypical male clown. Right. This this might be a part of a larger conversation, but I have nothing opposed to an iteration of a female Joker within you know, uh, its own universe, a separate universe, or its own kind of telling. Yeah. But can I? All I'm thinking about is I wish that it happened in the '90s if it was going to happen. Because can you imagine the fan outrage today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. Oh gosh, yeah, I can actually. But, but then again, there's an alternate. I cannot remember the title of the comic, and this is bad. This is bad, Batman fan of me, but. It's the one where um, Bruce was the one that died that night oh, during the mugging. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, and it was Thomas Wayne who became Batman, right? Yeah, and his and, and Martha became Joker. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I never read it. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they have they have sort of riffed on that. I don't know why not. Right. I mean, like yeah. just mix it up. Just ha have a little a little freedom. But in terms of mixing it up, okay. We've already, you know, like the Joker is different through the time periods and everything. I this just this thought comes into my head. Cage match. There was this thing years ago where somebody had this supposed like it was the cage match of all the presidents, like in a giant mm -hmm. fight to the death. Did you did you read that? No, no, I didn't. Oh, but it, I, it was my money's great. on Lincoln. Uh, yeah, Lincoln makes it to the like the final round because he's got reach. Yeah, like because it's exactly. a knife fight, and uh. uh yeah, no, it was pretty great. If I can find the link, I'll send it to you. But the Jokers, wouldn't it be so interesting? I mean, why not? I mean, like, th this is sort of the imagination thing. We're so rooted in the need to have everything be realistic that mm -hmm. it, it kills me. I'd love to see a comic or a story or something where somehow Twilight Zone-ish or something like that, all of these Jokers are in the Batman multiverse, and they all get dropped. You drop Cesar Romero's Joker, Nicholson's Joker, Ledger's Joker, 
and um, what's his, Jared Leto's Joker into like a cage match, like Thunderdome, and they yeah. fight to the death. Who wins? Ooh, that's such a good conversation. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay, I feel like Mike right off the bat. Like you want to think, you want to say Nicholson because he's just he's so he's so gruesome. He'll like he will get done what he needs to get done. But at the same time, I don't like you think about him at hand to hand at the end mm-hmm. with Batman. He doesn't even put up a fight. He can't even do anything. Yeah. And so then you jump to Ledger, where like who is like just absolutely crazy and like it, and you know like he's he's cutting people left and right. But then you have Jared Leto's Joker, and you like you see him, and he looks like a guy who could handle himself in hand to hand. Yeah. 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 He does. He's like a Pablo Escobar type. So I feel like like in a cage match, we're not talking like using smarts. We're not talking about utilizing society to turn against itself or, you know, like or anything like that in a straight up cage match. I'm, I'm going with Jared Leto. How about you? I'm going to go with Leto as well. But I, the, the pathway there is a little bit different because I think what hap- I think Nicholson gets killed outright like he's done <laughs> that Joker. He's he's older. He's a bit out of shape. He, you know, he, he's got. He, you know, Jack Napier is a little soft by the time he turns into Joker. He's he's basically next in line to take over the mob. Um, and so, you know, he's a little out of shape. He's not he's not fighting on the streets anymore. He has Bob to fight for him. So he's out right right away. I think that Ledger and uh, Leto immediately sense the greatest threat go at each other. One of them is going to take the other out. I think. In all honesty, if it comes down to hand-to-hand, I give the edge to Ledger. But then he's left to fight Romero. Because Romero is the threat that everybody ignores. You're right. He just sort of fades off. I didn't even mention him. (laughs) Yeah. He's probably the one that takes out Nicholson. And they have Ledger and Leto. I give the edge to Ledger because I think that in in hand-to-hand, he is that nuts enough. And he also... I mean, you know, in the final fight, granted, he uses a whole ton of stuff to his advantage, but he does manage to knock down and trap Batman, you know, Mm -hmm. at at the end uh, in the face to face confrontation. And it's just his inexperience fighting Batman that that costs him the fight, Uh, you know, and then he takes out uh, Romero. But I think it's I think it's a better fight than people give him credit for, because I think that Romero has like like talking about Lincoln. He has sort of a reach advantage, but I think that his fighting style is too reserved. He's, you know, more from the fisticuffs day as opposed to the crazy kill you any way I can handle it day. So Ledger wins, but through that pathway. Oh, you started off by saying you gave, like you were going with Leto. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I think my initial reaction is Leto, but then as I reason it out, I give it to Ledger because I think Ledger, when he's fresh, takes Leto out first. Okay. And I mean, this is, you know, (laughs) second bizarre conversation of, of the day so far. We've, we've talked about, we've debated drug culture and what they do to you. And now we've had a cage match of the Jokers. So do you throw, granted he's animated, but do you throw Hamill's Joker in there? What odds do you give him? Well, okay, so like it's our multiverse. So let's, let's throw in yeah. this weird two-dimensional animated person into this three-dimensional cage match. Immediate advantage if he turns sideways, they can't see. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like Flatland, you know, like maybe he'll just kill people by like piercing them. Ooh, I like that idea. Honestly, like if Mark, if you go with Batman animated series Joker, yeah. uh, I feel like he's out just as fast as, as Nicholson. Nicholson, because like you have animated series where 
in the animated series, Mark Hamill doesn't really... He's not really that violent. Like he'll smack you around. He'll 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 uh, he'll poison you, and uh, he'll hit you with a ham- hammer or something like that. Like a a, jo- a big joke hammer where like stars will fly over your head. Yeah. But he's not as intimidating as even uh, as any of them. So I feel like as uh, Leto is going on his way to fight Ledger. He just slits uh, Mark <laughs> Hamill's throat and doesn't even think about it. It's like he when you slow have down. The, he doesn't even slow down. It's like when you when you have those dual movies where yeah. there's massive amounts of of soldiers on either side, but then the hero sees the villain yeah. across the way and they zero in on each other. The music rises and all of a sudden a path clears for them. Yeah, and then so they start to run at each other, but then soldiers get in the way before they can get to each other. Just they're just slicing people left and right like right. they're nothing. And so that is what happens to Mark Hamill's Joker. Okay, okay. I see. I, I I can see that. But what's interesting is is while we're talking about it, Leto's Joker was treated as so out of left field, crazy. And you know there there are aspects of it. But I almost think as we're sitting here talking about it, and I hadn't considered this before, that Leto's Joker is sort of an amped up version of Hamill's. In that he's more brutal, yes, because Hamill is relegated to the animated series, and the animated series was airing, you know, during daytime television, right? And geared toward kids, although it's a magnificent series. Um, and Mask of the Phantasm is still one of the best Batman movies ever made. But I think that um, I see a, sort of a descendants from Hamill to Leto, uh, just in the in the mannerisms almost where Hamill's Joker, the animated series Joker was kinetic and unpredictable in terms of his reactions to things and how he moved through the story. And I think you see that in Leto's I like even more so because Ledger talks about chaos, but he he's basically just somebody who's surfing on taking advantage of the problems. Like he creates problems and then sees where it's going to play out and, continues to use it to his advantage to climb to the top of the heap whereas Leto's Joker feels much more like somebody who kind of has a plan but you know kills people for no like just like a drug lord just kills people for no reason because you know he's in a bad mood that day and I think there are aspects of that in Hamill's Joker Uh, what do you think about that I don't know I feel like I kind of need to see Suicide Squad again in order to make that judgment because I feel I've seen so much of Mark Hamill and we'll, and we'll get to that. Like I've seen so much of Mark Hamill from the animated series to the animated movies that he's in to the video games that he's in there. We've had more Hamill Joker than any other Joker combined. Yeah. I've only seen, you know, like, you know, 30 minutes of, of suicide squad Joker. Was he actually in it for that long? It felt yeah, like yeah, shorter. Not even that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Not, not even that. Um, maybe with this extended edition, we'll actually get more. That's actually. I, I, I don't want to make this a Suicide Squad discussion, but yeah, I that that's pretty much the only reason why I I I'd, I'd watch it again is because when I when I saw it in the movie theater, I was like, wow, I I like this Joker more than I thought I would. I love Joker and Harley together. Why aren't we seeing way more of that? Yeah. And so hopefully uh, we'll get some some more Joker analysis from those extended scenes uh, so we can, you know, tack on to this conversation. Sure, sure. So that was my roundabout way of saying I don't know. Okay. No, I mean, that's that's fair. And, it, you know, it's, it's actually while you're talking about how 
you know how much Hamill has inhabited the Joker and across the different media, video games, movies, and TV. Um, that that spurs two thoughts. One's a question, uh, so I'll ask the question second. But like Hamill, in a way, has taken possession of the Joker character in a way that, for those who have been watching it, when you really think about it, it's like um, it's like James Arnold Taylor with Obi Wan. He's sort of possessed Obi Wan by being him in the Clone Wars for mm-hmm. years. He portrayed Obi Wan more than anybody else. But if you talk to somebody who isn't like a diehard who didn't watch the show, who's Obi-Wan Kenobi? Oh, Ewan McGregor. Oh, Alec Guinness. They don't mm. think of him, even though he has logged so many hours as that character. So that's interesting. I think, I think it's, it's interesting that Hamill still has that hurdle, you know, where people don't think of him initially, I think, in the general fan base uh, or the casual fan base. But the second question is, with the killing joke, Hamill comes back to do the Joker's voice. Yeah. Do you consider that the same Joker that was in the animated series by default, or do you consider this just a different Joker? Does this, does the Killing Joke Joker in the movie exist side by side as a part of the narrative of Hamill's Joker, or is it a separate story, all on its own? I see it as separate universes. I really do. Um, I know that might be a cop out answer, but like with the animated series, I feel like with you, we have Kevin Conroy in all of them. When I read comics. Kevin Conroy's voice is the voice I hear in my head. Sure. And just because I've been saturated with, with his voice for for decades. Yeah. Absolute, like, legit decades. And, and so because of that, like, it's very much the Batman in the Arkham games is very different than the Batman in the animated series. Mm-hmm. And the Joker in the animated series is very different from the Killing Joke and very different from the Arkham games, even though they're voiced by the same people. And so you you know like I still get that that thrill of uh, nostalgia when I play the Arkham games and I have there's a scene between the two of them it makes me think of the animated series of course but I never think like oh that's the same Gotham that's the mm-hmm. same Batman that's the same Joker I I'm very it's very easy for me to compartmentalize sure. these multiverses in my head so I would say no to the killing joke and I really wish we could get a redo on The Killing Joke. Oh, uh, yeah. You and me both. Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill are some of the best voice actors we've ever had yeah. in, in the media. And it just feels like they were rushed. It feels yep. like they had no time to rehearse or even read the material. It feels like they were like, okay, we got four hours to record this. Go. Right. And it just it makes me so sad because you had this great source material. And you can tell the actors were just like, meh. It's weird because as I have continued uh, considering my reaction to the Killing Joke animated movie, my esteem for it has gotten less and less. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. I gave it too much of a break at first because it had Hamill and Conroy in it. And so I've I've actually revised my rating downward since. And so I, I agree with you. I think that it was a tremendous missed opportunity. And I agree with you that the Joker in the video games is separate from the Joker in the animated series. So that... Isn't it a cheat then to have those? I mean, Conroy's voice for Batman is just fantastic. I don't care what iteration of Batman it is. Just yeah. have him in there. That's fine. But it feels like a cheat. It feels having Hamill do the voice of the Joker in the Arkham games is a cheat because you're right. That Joker is so different from the animated mm-hmm. series. So 
yeah, that's, huh. I now, see. The thing is now, now I think in terms of like what opportunity was missed, what actor had we not considered or heard of that could have done that voice for the video game or for the Killing Joke that would have added an edge to it. Well, let's let's go down a, a list. I mean, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. We don't have to be formulaic or anything like that. But let's yeah, just yeah. go down a quick list of of people who have portrayed the Joker on screen. You know, this yeah. is uh, this is people who have been in movies, TV, or voice acting, and uh, and so like right off the bat, we have Cesar Romero. Now, I told you uh, via text before we recorded this. I, the last time I saw Batman from 1966 was when I was a kid. And so I don't have much nostalgia for Batman 66. I don't have much love for it. I don't have any distaste for it. I just don't have much love for it. So what did you think of Romero's interpretation? When I was a kid, I hated it uh, because I was, I was coming of age in terms of my comic book fandom while this was in syndication on hot summer afternoons. And it was the Frank Miller era. It was year mm-hmm. one. It was Dark Knight Returns. It was all. And so you would watch the 60s TV show and you were like, what the hell is this? This isn't the Joker. This isn't Batman. But now going back and revisiting it, it's such a I mean, it's a kid's show. And it's such a um, it's such a reflection of when the Joker or the Penguin or any of the other villains, but the Joker, especially when they were considered as villains uh, for this kid's show, it was in the era of Father Knows Best. And it was crazy, zany plots. And it was just, this is a fun Joker. This is a Joker who you wouldn't be afraid of. This is, this is sort of like the idealized vision of uh, the mob, where he's not going to kill you. He's not interested in killing people. He's interested in doing zany, crazy things that you know, get him the world's largest balloon collection or something like that. And Batman's <laughs> busting him just because it's technically breaking the law. But if you look at it, it's like an existential crime. It's like, well, it's, it's not really that bad. I mean, you know, trying to kill Batman's a bad thing, but like he's only doing that because Batman showed up, you know, like why not? Okay. The guy stole, you know, all of the marbles in the toy store. Okay. I'm sure the <laughs> owner's insured or something like, I mean, <laughs> he's essentially like a petty criminal. And so he's fun to watch, and he's silly. And, I mean, Cesar Romero has so much fun with it that, yeah, you can't help but kind of love it. All right. Yeah, uh, I I respect it for its time. I respect it for its place, and it's its own universe, and that's what Gotham is like. You know, like people yeah. walk sideways up buildings, and, yep. and uh, you know, like uh, no, one, no one really has any threat of, of dying because they have a non-muscular Batman at their side, and it's yeah. just... You know, it just it yeah. works. It's fine. Uh, well, I need I mean, to go back you know, and watch I, I, Keep in mind with the, the 60s TV show, this is a Batman who, when he went up against, um, you know, a bunch of villains, and the, the joke at the end of 1989's Batman is a, is a direct callback to it. Um, I think it was the bookworm was the name of the villain. Um, but his henchmen all wore glasses, and Batman stopped and said, could you please remove your glasses? Because he, he wouldn't hit somebody who was wearing glasses. Like that old canard. Like, you know, you don't hit somebody wearing glasses because you could damage their eyes. And so, like, Batman himself is like, I don't actually want to hurt anybody. Let's just do what we have to do. <laughs> I remember there was one time. I went to a Christian university, and uh, we had chapel twice a week. There was, like, the, the chapel speaker was talking about basically the downfall of humanity. 
and mm-hmm. um like the like just how everything was getting so grotesque in our culture like everything was getting so serious and no one could have fun anymore it's like it was the rise of dark and gritty realism in in our media you know sure and uh he used batman as an example where he said he's like if you look at old batman in the 1960s you know like it was fun he was he was fighting he was fighting crime but it, like he, like he he talked about all the ways uh, everything that you just talked about and then he started talking about he's like and now you have this you have this disgusting version of batman who hurts people and and uh, it's just like too dark and and you're like and uh like you know real crime is going on and like i was the only one who went like yeah i started <laughs> clapping when he said it <laughs> yeah i was uh, i got ahead of talking to you that day cuz i was just like what yeah all right well i you know i know that both of us were when uh, ledger introduces himself to the uh, mob meeting and I don't think we were alone when he makes the pencil disappear. You know. Oh yeah, no, it was amazing. I, but I remember in my showing, the first showing that I went to, I, I was laughing louder than maybe I should have. I was like, ah, 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 ah. what? It's it's funny. <laughs> I was yeah. My my mom to this day has not seen The Dark Knight because she turned it off when the pencil thing happened. Oh come on. And I know, and she said that to me, and I said, I was like, Mom, I clapped in the theater and laughed harder than anyone else in the theater yeah. when that happened. Well, the guy was going over to kill him for Pete's sake. It's you know? so anyway. freaking funny. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Okay, so moving on. I like, And right after Cesar Romero, this is 66, okay? We don't get another screen iteration of Batman until 1989 with Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And that was a long development hell that that movie went through i mean there were there were a couple of iterations where they thought they were going to do a like something that called back to the 60s tv show that was a parody i think bill murray was attached to it at one point i think i read that somewhere yeah Yeah. and and so like that movie spent the reason it took so long i mean superman comes out in 1978 huge hit why you know you have to say why did warner sit on this sit on this property for 11 years like we could have easily gotten a batman in that Richard Donner esque wink and a nod, you know, nineteen in nineteen seventy nine or nineteen eighty, like the, mm-hmm. the Superman Flash Gordon sort of. Now I don't want to put Superman in with Flash Gordon, but sort of like that silly. <laughs> I mean, it, it very easily though could have been a Flash Gordon type movie where it was yeah. like just silly. But then Frank Miller happened in between. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, and you also had um, Killing Joke happen in between. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Nicholson's Joker is. Sam Hamm's script is a lot darker than Burton made it. If you if you really break down the script, if you break down what the Joker does as he goes through, you can tell that he's Burtonized, right? This is this is dark and gritty through the lens of Tim Burton, you know, the guy who does Big Fish and Nightmare Before Christmas, and yes, I know he didn't direct it, but you know what I'm saying? It's from his story and uh, Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing. This is dark and gritty through his his viewfinder. And so I think Nicholson's Joker, even though he's more brutal, he's very much easier to to accept for the crowd that enjoyed the 60s or grew up with the 60s TV show. Because, I mean, essentially, 1989 Batman is a reboot of what our parents grew up watching. You know, my parents were older than that. But, you know, like a, a certain generation had grown up watching Batman on TV. That's the Batman they they knew. And then... If you had Ledger's Joker in 1989, way different reaction to that movie, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're right because I, I think, yeah, if you had Ledger or Leto or or 
or even even like video game Hamill in uh, in 1989, I think it would have been rejected. You would have had walkouts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like like with uh, Batman Returns, uh, but with um, <laughs> with eighty nine, uh, you had, yeah, I think it, like you said, it was easily digestible. Like where, where people were saying, like, yeah, this guy's crazy. Yeah, he does violent things, but on screen, does he really? Like almost everything is almost everything crazy he does is off screen. Like what he did to his um his girlfriend and sorry to, sorry to cut off, but like he kills the you know. Uh, nobody wants a war. Let's just shake on it and part. And you know, and he kills the guy, but with you're a right. joy buzz with a joy buzzer. With a right? joy buzzer, you're right. So, my, you know, there's a reason why my brain always no. forgets that scene. <laughs> to remind everybody, it's because Tristan's father would fast forward through the scary stuff in the superhero movies, um, which produced the Tristan we know and love. So thank you, Mister Tristan's dad. Uh, so the uh, but but the thing is, he kills him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's with a joy buzzer. With so a joy it's, buzzer. It, it abstracts it because you're sitting there and it allows you an escape. He kills another mob guy in, a, in front of a huge crowd, but by throwing a fountain pen in his neck. So like it still has that Romero-esque sort of like giant toy prop way of right. try, trying to off Batman. And he gasses the city with, you know, like huge, you know, like festival balloons. Right. But, and, but that's even couched in the fact that, uh, you know, to quote Knox, you know, get him, take the pictures. Gotham's greed. So, like, you can sort of abstract it there because it's got the giant balloons, but also the people are responsible for their own death. You can sit there and be like, see, if you weren't such a greedy slob, you wouldn't be yeah. dying by being gassed right now. And so, like, it allows you to sort of step back again. And, you know, he has false teeth and, and all of this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a Romeroized version of Sam Ham's script. I've never read, um, and I'm sure it's out there, I would love to read an interview with Sam Ham to find out what his reaction was when he saw the final product. I have never read the original script. If you give just what the Joker does, just in the final shooting script that we get, the one that's released in 1989, if you look at it through, you understand what a difference a director can make. Because if you take Burton out of that equation, and you take somebody, I I, I don't even know, like maybe a Michael Mann. I know we talked about Carpenter directing Batman. At one point. Oh, <laughs> Carpenter directing Batman would be made for $30. Um, <laughs> but um, that would be interesting, too. But, yeah, I think Carpenter would give you an R-rated Batman. Absolutely. Right. I, and he would take that exact same script, and he would make it R-rated. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that, that Burton is your your callback. And he I think he knew perfectly well what he was doing by making the Joker so over the top and gassing a museum and then having a dance sequence. Right. As to make it more Romero-esque. That's so funny that you say that. Because it's it's so great that you say that. Because you're absolutely right. Because if you look at Ledger, you look at Leto, they're not going to have... Well, maybe Leto. uh, But if you look at Ledger, they're they're not going to have an acid posy on their their chest. You know, like, uh, Ledger is not going to carry around a joke buzzer or false teeth or a gun that says bang. That's not his style. You know, his style is chaos and society and, you know, existential, right. blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's, you're right. Like, Nicholson is a perfect bridge between the, between the two. I uh, think that, I think that's you. spot on. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you agree. Um, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, thank you. <laughs> now, it's tempting to jump straight to Ledger, but of yes, course, we've already talked about him, Hamill. 
you know, the Batman animated series, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm a little bit older than you are, but I watched it faithfully. You know, if if it was on, I was watching it. Didn't matter if it was a repeat. Didn't matter Mm -hmm. if, you know, it was a new episode. I was watching that. And we get the Joker again. What's your reaction to that Joker in the shadow of Nicholson? In the shadow of Nicholson, that's the thing is that like I was um I like I would come home from school like this was a ni- like it started in ninety two and so I was okay this was four six when uh when this You're came out just a young pup <laughs> and uh and so I was still young enough for Two Face to freak me out like from the animated series voiced by Clancy Brown if I recall correctly the Kurgan oh is that right yeah 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 that's yeah. right yes. Like, he would freak me out. Like, I would sit on the steps, and then my, my sister would go, okay, Two-Face <laughs> is gone. And then I'd, I'd come back down and watch the episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just awesome. That is great. <laughs> you know me, John. You know, I you do. know so much about me. I do. I, had, I, I have I, an older brother who worked at a video store. So when mom and dad weren't around and he came home, you know, uh, I'll let you watch it if you don't tell mom and dad I got it. Sure thing, bro. <laughs> Yeah, that was not my experience. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it's so with animated series, I was I don't know, like I was able to I I, I thought it was cool that they used the same music. You know, like yeah. when I was six and seven and eight and everything like that. I, I thought it was awesome that they used the same music. I loved the view of Gotham, but I never thought it was the same thing. Like I, I never I never thought like I, I never compared the two really. I I was never okay. like, oh man, Nicholson's Joker never would have done that, or you know, like or uh, uh, Keaton's Batman never would have done that, or anything. Like I I never I never did that. I was just like, oh, this is a cartoon. Like that's the movie. This is the cartoon. You yeah, know, like yeah. this. You know, this is more for kids, and so you know, they're obviously they're not going to do the same things. And I loved the Joker. I just loved him because I just thought he was hysterical. I thought he was <laughs> funny. He is. And that's the thing. He is. He is. He's just absolutely hilarious. And even in the in the video games, he is like they really live up the comedy of the Joker. And I think yeah. that's something that kind of gets lost with Ledger. And um, yeah. okay. where I mean, like, yeah, he does say like there are some extremely funny things that Ledger says in, in the way he acts and everything like that. Like when he... uh like when he throws the champagne out of the flute but still tries to drink it yes you know like yeah. when uh um he talks about it's all just a big joke and and like when he uh like he he puts the the grain in, the grenade in the dude's mouth but it turns out to be a smoke grenade you know like that's yeah. the, that's his type of humor with hamill's joker it is much more explicitly funny it it is much more like set up and punchline kind of funny yeah, and so fr- from a kid's perspective, I really appreciated that. How about you? Uh, well, I, like you, I knew it was a it was a different iteration, but I I won't lie, I I came to it, it was initially kind of jarring when that Batman series comes out. I am you know I, I'm old enough to sort of like say, oh well, there's the you know do the comparison between the two. I warmed to the animated series Joker much more. Than the Nicholson, like not taking anything away from the Nicholson one, but I came to love the animated series Joker. The Nicholson Joker, I I respect and I enjoy, but I loved the animated series Joker for all the reasons that you listed off. Right, mm-hmm. he w- he was expressly funny at the right moments, and the line delivery had a lot to do with that. And fandom was actually a different sort of thing back then. 
because, you know, no internet and, and, and stuff like that. I had no idea because I didn't watch the credits, right? It shows over, okay, turn it off. It's just the music, right? Mm-hmm. I did not know that Mark Hamill did the voice until the movie was coming out and they showed him, you know, in a featurette and I, that happened to be playing on a television. I was over at somebody's house and it showed Mark Hamill performing in the studio as the voice of the Joker. And it like my head just melted on the spot. I was just like, yeah. what? Luke Skywalker does the Joker? And it like after that, I can't not hear Hamill in the voice. Mm-hmm. But it was so funny because I think that it helped the acceptance of the character on my part and coming to love the character in not being able to peg it as Hamill at first. You know, it, it really it really helped me. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point because like you, you didn't have any really preconceived notions about the actor or the betrayal other than influences from the 89 movie. But if you knew, like if, if there was like a press release where it's like Mark Hamill, you know, like uh, best known for Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars series, you know, like yeah. he's going to voice the Joker. I think you would, you would like the first episode, you'd be like, okay, you know, like this is, this isn't just a Joker. This is Mark Hamill right. doing the Joker. Exactly. And I, I remember I'm trying to, I found out cause my dad told me cause he saw the credits. Like okay. he, like he was actually watching the credits and he's just like, he's like, Oh, Mark Hamill. Huh? And I go, what? What are you talking about? He's like, Mark Hamill. I'm like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and, you fast forwarded through that part, Dad. I need to know. <laughs> and he said, he's like, it's Luke Skywalker. I was like, what do you mean? What are you trying to tell me? Like, I just like, I couldn't <laughs> grasp it. Like, I just couldn't grab hold of it. Yeah. And he said, he's like, yeah, the guy who plays Luke Skywalker is playing Joker. I was like, no. <laughs> no you're lying and like I, I i straight up did not believe him and like he had to plead with me he's like tristan i'm not lying to you why would i make this up and and so yeah i just i had a i had a special connection with with him from from the word go just because he was very much a part of my early batman childhood development and if <laughs> i never would have guessed that from six years old to 30 I'd still be enjoying Mark Hamill Joker property. Right. Sure. I that is that is a privilege. I mean that that is a that is a special treat that we don't often get is to have someone, you know, play that play one character for so long or be a a part of our not only our childhood and teenage years and formative years and adulthood, but like like just the other day I was playing Arkham Knight which is my favorite video game of all time and some of the best stuff is when Mark Hamill's there and yeah. it's just I get flashbacks to when I was 6 years old sitting in my basement waiting for the uh, when I when I see the Joker on the title card I'm just like oh good it's a Joker episode and nope. yeah yeah no but before before we sort of fast forward to Ledger cuz you know I mean like if we were to include everybody that's done a one shot Joker the list is very, very long. Yes. But as we're sitting here talking about Hamill's Joker, the truly mind-bending thing is he has spent more time portraying the Joker than Luke Skywalker. Yes. Oh, but yeah. He will, always be, he will always be known more as Luke, naturally. And his work as a voice actor is versatile enough. And I remember reading when they finally released the box set of all of the Star Wars radio dramas, which are magnificent. If anybody hasn't listened to them, you have to listen to them. Hamill's vocal performance as Luke in the first two, because they replaced him for the third one because they're dumb. Um, but the in, in Star Wars and Empire, 
he gives such a performance. And I, I remember reading, they said uh, when he was in the studio, like in the scene in Empire where he's hanging upside down, you know, at the, you know, at the bottom of Cloud City, that he, he would do that. He was like, that's how he got into character was he would physicalize while he was doing the voice acting. But there was one point where, because in the Empire Strikes Back radio drama, John Lithgow does Yoda. Okay. What? Yes. It's a different sounding Yoda, but it's it's an equally valid Yoda. It's a different medium. It's well worth listening to. But Hamill originally was campaigning for doing Yoda because even back then he was honing his voice acting talents and everybody that they talked to said he did spot on. You would think Frank Oz was sitting in there. Oh, and man, I wish I could have heard that. He could have played both roles, but they were like, no, 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 no. We want you to be able to play off of an actor because they would bring the other actor into the studio so that they could, you know, interact through the the, mm-hmm. the glass and stuff like that. So, but it, like, I will always be sitting there in my brain wondering what would that have been like to have Hamill? Like, can you imagine the nuance he would have found to give, like knowing how to give himself the cue and everything? Uh, now, this doesn't take anything away from Lithgow or Lithgow. I don't know how to pronounce it, honestly. Um, but he, he's, he's fantastic, too. And again, sorry for, sorry for the sidetrack, but Hamill, it's basically to say Hamill was, was, had an eye toward voice acting all the way back when his star was just attached to Luke Skywalker. I kind of want to go on another sidetrack, because since we, we just brought up Star okay. Wars, Sam Witwer. Ah, Yes. He he's a he's a fantastic voice artist, and I'm really glad that he's continued to do that because the first time I saw him was on uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yep, and uh, but then he came out with the um, Star uh, Force Unleashed, the video game, where he played the he played the apprentice, and he also played the Emperor. Yes, and I remember like I saw a featurette where like I never would have guessed that Sam yeah. Witwer was playing the Emperor until I saw this featurette after playing the game. And in the featurette, he said he's like he said that he went to them and said like, "Oh yeah, I want to be the emperor." And they're like, "No, no, no, we got an actor for it." He's like, "No, get rid of him, fire him." And, <laughs> and I, which kind of, I feel kind of bad. I'm like, you cost a dude a job. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, like he he did. He said he's like, "I want to do it." I, he's like, "I." He's like, I, I feel like I could do a good job of playing back and forth, like in those scenes. Like, so you're listening to Sam Witwer play the apprentice as well as the emperor when they have those scenes together. And it is hands down the best emperor impersonation I have ever heard. It's it's pretty it is pretty great. And there there were actually questions so long as we're on the Whitwer you know sidetrack here uh, when the actor and God forgive me for forgetting his name, but the actor who played Palpatine slash Sidious in the Clone Wars series died before the series ended, and they they brought in Tim Curry to replace him, which is you know I mean it's a valid choice. Tim Curry's yeah. got a very very good voice, very, you know, and, and his characterization of the Emperor is not an impersonation. It's his own vocalization of it. Right. Um, but Whitwer apparently, a bunch of people were like, why aren't you doing the Emperor? You could easily do the Emperor. And his basic response was, yeah, I don't know, guys. I, you know, they could have come to me. That's okay. <sighs> you know, it wasn't bitter. It wasn't like a passive-aggressive thing. And he just said, I don't know why they didn't ask me. You know, I, I yeah. would have been happy to do it. But, you know, he's Maul now uh through the cartoon series he he's basically overwritten peter serafinowitz at this point um in terms of maul's vocalization but all that all that springing just from mark hamill doing vocal work brings us to somebody else who gave a unique voice to the joker heath ledger so 
let's let, you know what let's 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 dig at it from that angle. Heath Ledger's Joker, the voice reaction to it. I loved it from the word go. I thought it was a great interpretation. I mean, like right from the trailer, right even from the teaser trailer, like when when we didn't even see anything, didn't see any footage. It was just that the bat logo breaking up. I remember yeah. seeing that for the first time in the theater, and I I lost my mind. I just <laughs> yeah. it, it made me feel like when I was a kid. You know, like before you actually knew when stuff was coming out or like it, they didn't release everything online first, um, which I mean, they still that still happened in 2008 and 2007 and everything like that. But for some reason, like this one did not get released online like this. This was only in theaters for a time, as far as I can remember. And, we, you know, we'd heard Alfred again. We heard we heard Bruce again. Then all of a sudden we heard something new. We heard yeah. we heard Ledger saying, you know, like like uh, people will die. I'm a yeah. man of my word, you know, like he, he, it's up and down and, and like it's high pitched and, and low at the same time. And then we get that laugh at the end and then the music swells and it says the dark night. It like from that moment, I was like, I am sold on this Joker. Don't even know what he looks like. Like barely know what he sounds like, but I heard the laugh. This is it. Question. Do you think that Ledger's Joker, because I go, I go back and forth and it's not like a good read, bad read thing. It's just an intriguing thing. Do you think that the Joker is putting on a voice the way Bruce Wayne does when he's in the Batman suit? Because we never, I don't think we ever see the Joker talk without his makeup on. We see him without his makeup on at one point, mm-hmm. but we never hear him talk without his makeup on. Do you think that it's a voice that he puts on, or do you think that that is just what the Joker sounds like in that universe? I think that is just what the Joker sounds like. Whether that's true or not, I choose to believe it. Because I feel like this character is so off the rails, is such an individual, and such a mystery, that I do not want to believe that he's putting on some sort of prestige-esque act where uh, he's actually, you know, like some somewhat normal person in the, you know, like in the... uh, in, in the corners of suburbia who does this at nighttime. I, I believe no. that th- this <laughs> no. character is so consumed by his own crazy. Now, like now what do they say in speed? Crazy, not stupid. Yes. The, this Joker is so much of crazy, not stupid that something happened to him. We have no idea where he came from. We don't even know where he buys his clothes that this is him, you know, from the beginning. Like, and even like it just, I love the little details about how in his hands, like the makeup is still on his hands from when he applies it on yes. the, in the morning because he doesn't bother to wash it off cuz why would he he doesn't give a crap yeah and those subtle things tell me that this is who he is i agree with your read but there's also uh, another thing vocally that supports it in that you 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 rightly call out that like that you know it's in his delivery he in a sense um is walken esque in his delivery of things where like the punctuation, like when you're listening to it, especially the first couple of times you see the movie, it's like the punctuation is all in the wrong points. Like there are commas where there shouldn't be and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. periods disappear. And so it go, it, it, it takes you off guard, but the scene where Batman loses it and, you know, is wailing on him in the interrogation room. There's one moment and it's when he's down and he goes, you have nothing like you hear that it is his real voice and that it is all about the intonation because he mm-hmm. drops the weird inflections um, 
and then when he starts telling them when he starts saying you know the two addresses it comes back in because he's getting control back so there's mm-hmm. this masterful point where the joker's control almost breaks but then he realizes he's got batman back on the hook and so the in, the weird intonations come back and so it is his real voice and it is all just about how he delivers the words they all, there's also another example of that when he has the uh the bat poser in the meat locker you know like oh, when, that's right yeah. you know when he's just like he's like but you're not batman are you yeah. you know it's like look look at me look 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 at me you know like it's yeah. just what he would he Ah, I just, I just, I'm getting all tingly just talking about it. And, well, but see, the thing is with that, and you know, I, I love that that video too. And you know, like the most beautiful part of it to me is um, when he starts stroking the guy's cheek and he just goes, you know, he's like, you know, like it's, yeah. Um, I, I don't think that there's a single person I know of, save one, that had criticism for ledger's joker um i do know somebody who wasn't nuts about him um and didn't heap the same amount of praise that that you and i might i had one person just talk about how he like they were so sick of him licking his lips like they just couldn't stand it like they couldn't get past that that. is such a great bit of stage business because he's got the cuts on the side so he's drooling constantly so he's got to lick the drool off it's masterful acting it's like it is it's exactly uh whatever yeah exactly exactly they didn't see it they didn't see okay the heath ledger was the first true psycho i think that we saw i think even more so than nicholson nicholson was deranged like nicholson was off kilter you know like nicholson was you know had some sort of crazy but ledger was psychotic and Maybe I'm splitting hairs here because even Batman, you know, called the Joker psychotic in in 1989. But I like Ledger raised the stakes. I think perceptions of psychosis have changed through time. That's true. You know, like like psychotic, you know, would be just something you toss at somebody to sort of demean them back in the in the 80s. You know, use some sort of sort of psycho, you know, because you're driving too fast and you're convertible. Whereas, you know. Ledger truly is somebody that you would look at and be like, "Dad, you got to get that guy in a home for the criminally insane." Okay, like mm-hmm. now, you know. Before we get into uh, the most recent iteration of Joker, you did mention one-offs, and we cannot talk about every single one-off because you know there was uh, there's John DiMaggio in Under the Red Hood, which I just did not like in the least. I think D- DiMaggio is a fantastic voice actor, but I just did not think he was he was appropriate for Joker. The, the original uh, General Grievous as well. Another that's Star right. That's, right there. See, that's the thing. Like, that's a great purpose for him. I think he was great as Grievous, in my opinion. We had uh, Brent Spiner in Young Justice, uh, eh. the guy who played Data. Yeah. Eh, yeah. Exactly. Eh. And you know, we we had Steve Bloom, who you know did the uh, uh, did the Lego <laughs> Batman, and Jeff Bennett, who did Brave and the Bold. Uh, but what the ones that I really want to talk about is Michael Emerson. Yeah. F- from Lost. Yep. Ben Linus from Lost. Ben Linus from Lost. He played the Joker in Batman The Dark Knight Returns. Now, did yeah. you see that animated film? I did. What did you think about his uh, his interpretation? Uh, he has... Uh, you know what? I, I'll, I'll go back to something I said about Hamill. If I had known Hamill was playing him beforehand, it would have been a, a harder hill for him to climb. Mm-hmm. And I think knowing that Emerson was playing the Joker, 
I never stopped thinking that's Michael Emerson. You know, like yeah. I never yeah. stopped thinking that's Michael Emerson. I never, I never f- was able to fully let myself go to say this is the Joker. I was sitting there saying Michael Emerson's doing a cartoon. You're right. Yeah, I was kind of the same way. I thought his style was appropriate for the Dark Knight Returns world. Absolutely. I thought his. I thought that read of the Joker was appropriate. Yeah. I, I thought I thought it was very spot on for the page that it was ripped from. But at the same time, I completely agree with you. It was just like, oh, it's Michael Emerson is the Joker, not oh, this is the the Dark Knight Returns Joker. This is Michael Emerson playing the Joker. Yeah. Uh, and then we go on to uh, this is the last one off before we get ultimately get to uh, the latest iteration. Troy Baker. Yeah, I never played Arkham Origins. It's it's an underrated game. It's a very okay. underrated game. It's it, I liked it. I thought it was good. It's nowhere near on the level of Asylum City or Night, but it's a nice one-off. You know, like it's it's a nice side story and it's way too short. Mm-hmm. But Troy Baker is a very talented voice artist and we we've heard of him in, in several things before. But it's basically Troy Baker doing his best Hamlin impersonation. Ah, oh, that never works well. It's you know, like when I <sighs> See, like when I was when I was playing Arkham Origins and he came out, I was just like, wait, I was told that Mark Hamill wasn't going to be an Origins, but it just sounded a little off. And then yeah. so I had to look it up and I was like, yeah, it's really not Hamill. And it is. I'm trying to think I try to give Troy Baker the benefit of the doubt because I just saw it as a ripoff in Arkham Origins. But then Assault on Arkham, the uh, the animated film which was yeah. a much better film than Suicide Squad, and it was about the Suicide Squad. Yes. Had Troy Baker again being the Joker, and he still had he still sounded like Mark Hamill, but he was a little bit more of an individual in that, and his read was a little bit different. And it was so well played, it was so well acted, and so well written for the Joker, I was able to get past it and go, actually, this is a, this is a bona fide performance, and this might just be this... I, not to get too overwrought or too overdramatic, but, you know, like, there's always a new Hamlet. There's always a different right. read on Hamlet, and but it's it's always the same source material. It's always the same words. Now, this isn't the case with Joker. It's not always the same words. But when you have, a, like, a, it, it's hard to escape Olivier. You know, like, it's, 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 it's hard to get past these... Branagh. Uh, Branagh, especially today. It's hard to get past Branagh's interpretation. And so I feel like we're going to need some distance before we stop getting the Hamill um, impersonations. But I feel like it's kind of okay because he's made it his own so hard. What do you think about that? Am I, I talked for a long time. Am I off my rocker? Am I giving him no, too much credit? No, I, I don't think you're off your rocker. I have seen Assault on Arkham, and I agree with you. If that's, if that's Troy Baker's Joker, then it is, it's almost vocally like... Uh, like the the Nicholson Joker, it's a bridge. It's our mm-hmm. it's our bridge to move away and say, okay, we're in a new era now. Let's move forward, and it's okay. Like it, it's it's almost like um, just like a, a sedative. It's like we're, we're having our cup of tea before we you know start training again. You know, like sort of thing. So, yeah, I I completely agree with that. I think putting it that way, I think you put the way that you put it is much better than what I than the the five minutes I spent talking about. No, it. No, stop I, it. <laughs> I think it yeah, is I not. think if it's a bridge, it's a good bridge. Like yeah, yeah. it's it, it's it's a way for us to move forward 
And it's kind of like it's 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 Troy Baker holding our hand as Mark Hamill walks away. Where it's like it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. You can still love him. Remember yeah. him. So long as you talk of him, he's not dead. Um but okay, so Troy Baker is the bridge. Do you think that plays into because like you said, Assault on Arkham, that's essentially Suicide Squad, but mm-hmm. done better. Um and Baker is the bridge with, you know, Hamill and New Era Joker, which brings us to of course, Jared Leto is the Joker in Suicide Squad. I tried to call it out earlier. Going back through the conversation, I don't know if I'm still of the same opinion that Leto's Joker is descended from Hamels. I, I don't I I don't know if I'm of that opinion anymore here just at the end of this mm-hmm. as, as we're wrapping this up. But Leto's Joker. I loved him. I thought he was great. I saw him. Uh, I saw Suicide Squad with uh, two friends. One, Craig Sorrell, who co-hosts Words with Nerds with me, and then uh, another friend of ours who, you know, his code name is Big Red. And we're, we were watching it. I was the one that had the most positive reaction to the Joker. And the reason why is I saw him as a Pablo Escobar type. I could see him as a drug kingpin. Mm-hmm. I could see him as a fierce leader who was actually reflective of somebody who was not nuts in the way that ledger was but right. was nuts in the sense that i'm going to be i'm stripping all of my humanity away so that i can be a ruthless leader and accumulate power what was your reaction to him like did you did you have to warm up to him or did you have a positive thing right off the bat from the first reel of the movie onward i had a positive reaction i was on board i liked him cool. uh it took me a while to adjust in the marketing campaign where mm. when we first got when we had that first image of him grabbing his head and it's a white background and you see all the tattoos i was like oh crap no you know like i was i was one of those people where i was just like this is weird <laughs> this doesn't work this is going to be horrible i was i was the sky was falling in the Riddell household um <laughs> but then the teaser came out and the teaser was so wonderfully done and then when we heard that laugh, you get me. You'll get me if you have a good laugh. Like yeah. when when he had that laugh and he said, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to hurt you. Really? Really? Bad. And then <laughs> yeah. boom, Suicide Squad. I was like, okay, all right. I will give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm on board. Um, I do not think that Leto is a... Br- I, I do not think he is the other side of the bridge that is Troy Baker. I feel okay. like he's more of a sidestep. Okay. I feel like we will get that culmination of the bridge of Troy Baker either in another video game or in another animated film or I don't know I, I I don't know like if maybe if DC you know starts doing a different television universe like Marvel is with uh with streaming as opposed to broadcast um you know like maybe we'd get a different Joker there I don't know maybe that'll be the Troy Baker bridge yeah. result um, which you and I have talked about that a great deal, how a Batman television show on Netflix would be freaking fantastic. It would be, I don't care what platform, I don't care if it's Netflix or Amazon or CWC or whatever, but man, come on. Yeah, totally on with that. And so with, yeah, I was I was on board with him. I liked him. There was a few, there was a few times when the delivery I felt was forced where mm-hmm. Ledger was just so natural, like Ledger was the Joker. Ledger inhabited that role. I felt like there were times when Leto was just 
and this is not a knock. I mean, this is what normal mm. acting is. You know, like he was just he was just putting on a voice and saying a line. Uh, that's how Anthony Hopkins describes acting, by the way. Uh, he's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said well, he's no, like, you know the famous quote from Olivier when he was working with Hoffman, right? Oh, remind me. No, in in uh, Marathon Man, which I've never seen, but I, re- I read this article where, and it, it was an article talking about different acting styles and everything. And uh, in Marathon Man, Dustin Hoffman's character is supposed in the scene they were doing was supposed to have been up for 24 hours. So Hoffman, being you know of the method acting generation, stays up for 24 hours. He's completely ragged. He looks just awful. His hair's disheveled. Everything like that. And so Olivier, you know, longtime respected actor, is there with him, and he looks at me. He's like, "Dude, what's wrong with you?" Um, now I'm. I'm sure Olivier didn't deliver it just like that. I'm sort of paraphrasing. Um, but, but he says, you know, uh, you know, what's wrong with you? And Hoffman says, oh, well, you know, my character's supposed to have been up for 24 hours, so I stayed up for 24 hours and everything. Supposedly, maybe apocryphal, but I subscribe to it as truth. Olivier looked at him and said, my dear boy, you should try acting. It's so much easier. And I was like, at that moment, it all crystallized for me that to look at things in terms of an acting style as opposed to like everybody needed to be a method actor sort of thing where I was like, not everybody needs to be De Niro, you know, going to the gym for three days straight before a single take of, you know, before every single take of uh, Cape Fear and then yeah. putting on like 600 pounds to play Jake LaMotta, you know, at the end of his career and stuff like that. It's like, <laughs> it's okay to admit that it's pretend. It's all yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. Like there, there's this, there's this story with gangs of New York and uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, where like he got pneumonia or something like that from filming in the rain yeah. or in the, yeah. in the cold and everything like that. And he refused penicillin uh, in, the, oh, geez. In, in the hospital because uh, he said that it's like they didn't have penicillin back then or something <sighs> like that. I have no idea if the story is true. I have no See, idea that, if it's true. That, 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 that would infuriate me because, yes, they also had a mortality rate that like crushes ours. You know, like <laughs> trust me. If they'd had access to penicillin back then, they'd have said, sign me up. I think that's a great idea. It's not that they would have refused it on principle. They'd have said, well, this is wonderful new invention that's going to save my life. Thank you. Exactly. That's uh, Yeah, I, I can't remember who Hopkins said this to. I don't know if it was somebody else or to an interviewer, but he said he's like, he's like, yeah, make a face, say a line. You know, like he's, yeah. <laughs> it's like this, he's like, that's that. And you have Hopkins. You can't argue with Hopkins. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah with, with, with there was just a few lines where like there was a cadence to Ledger's voice where you could go up and down, but you could follow him. And yeah. with with Leto, there was some lines where you're just like, "Where'd that voice come from?" You know, like that that is that's yeah. not the voice that you had five seconds ago in this scene. Uh, but I, I I feel like I'm I'm ragging on him, and I, I I shouldn't be because I did really like the interpretation, and he he made me laugh again. You know, like he, he and like when yeah. he when he grabbed Harley into the helicopter, he said he's like he's like baby. I got a bear-skinned rug and chilled crepe soda waiting for you. <laughs> you, know, <it's> just, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, that's just hysterical. You know, it's, it's funny. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I'd love to see, I can't wait to see this Joker off the rails. I can't see him just, because we didn't really see him do anything crazy. He was just trying to save his girl. And yeah. so we didn't see him, like, torturing. Not, I'm, I'm not saying I want to see him torture anybody. I'm just saying, like, we didn't see him torture anybody. We didn't see him really kill anybody. It was just well, I mean, kind of there and weird. You'd have to fast forward the scene if he did. So, of course, you don't want to see that. <laughs> I'm a grown man now, John. <laughs> I am grown. <laughs> so, we've been going on for a long time. There's one last thing that I yes. want to talk about. Because yeah. we've been going for over an hour now. 
Because yeah. I knew that was going to happen. We're talking Joker. We're talking Batman. It's going to happen. I mean, come on. Uh, there was a hardcover uh, comic book that came out uh, this year, this summer, uh, by Paul Dini called Dark Knight, A True Batman Story. Have you read this? I haven't. I recommend you read this because it's a very interesting tale about how Paul Dini was mercilessly beaten on the street by uh, just two random thugs. And it was right wow. in the middle of him doing Phantasm, or right before he did Phantasm. Okay. And it's 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 about his recoup recuperation and him getting better and the situations that ran into it and like in this story he has joker and batman talking to him as if they were real and kind of like Ooh. the angel and the devil on the shoulder oh cool it's it's very well crafted where very well done and very interesting and a true story uh at the very end he talks about what paul dini wanted to do with the joker in batman beyond he didn't want to he didn't want to kill him off. He wanted the he wanted Joker to be still alive, but here's how he wanted to do it. He wanted to be this random cement cube in the Batcave that no one talked about. That McGinnis talk, asked Wayne about all the time but never answered, and then we find out that it's a cement prison that oh. Wayne put the Joker in and never let him out. Oh, that's awesome how is amazing awesome. is that and so they said they're like oh yeah the censors would never let us do that in a kid's show but now that is in my head canon like that, that is, is real yeah. like wayne needed to retire but joker was still around he couldn't kill him and so he locked him up for eternity in his bat cave oh that would be so cool yeah that would be so cool <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, that's in my headcanon now, too. And it's called uh, Dark Knight, A True Batman Story? That's correct. Dark Knight, A True Batman Story. I'm ordering it as soon as we're done. It is It is worth, even beyond that, it's worth a read. It's It's worth putting on your shelf. Awesome. Uh, would it be appropriate reading for Shocktober? Uh, I think any kind of Batman is appropriate for Shocktober because Batman is appropriate all year round. I, I, I accept your answer, <laughs> and I enjoy it. Very well done, sir. And also, if you guys want a uh, if you want a, a Shocktober Batman experience, you can always read the Long Halloween, and you can also play Arkham Knight. Yes, I still need to play Arkham Knight too. Man, there's a lot of good. Oh. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing game, and the relationship between Batman and Joker is explored further than any other game or show that we've ever seen in this. That's going this on my Christmas game. list. Then, yeah. Hint to anybody listening. Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> All right, John. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the Senate floor and talking Joker and Batman. And uh, I couldn't have, I couldn't think of a better person to talk to about this. So where else can we find you online? Well, you can find me right here on the Nerd Party Network, co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast. Uh, you can find me co-hosting Words with Nerds, uh, which is a zany little podcast that I do with my pal Craig Sorrell. And you can find me over on Trek FM doing Stage 9 with Mike Schindler, where we explore... Um, the non-Trek work of Trek creators. Pretty pretty fun. And then look for Kessel Junkie, uh, KesselJunkie.com or on your social network of choice. I'm out there just like the Batman. Where can they find you, Tristan? You can find me on the Nerd Party Network as well, besides this show, on a show called Nerd Nuptial, a show that I host with my wife where we talk about married life but as geeks. I have a lot of fun time doing it, so you guys should check it out. You can find me on the Trek.fm network as well as you, uh, but on a show called To The Journey, which is a Star Trek Voyager podcast that I host with Charlene Schmidt. We have a great time there. I think you guys should check it out. And you can uh, find all of us 
here at the Nerd Party online at thenerdparty.com. And one thing that you should do, because you're awesome and you're listeners and we want to give you a little gift, a, 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 little, a little treasure to take home with you, you should go to lootcrate.com slash nerdparty and enter in the code nerdparty at checkout. What it is, it's a fantastic geek subscription box where they will ship you a box per month with $40 worth of merchandise for less than $20. And if you go to lootcrate.com slash nerdparty, enter in code nerdparty, you'll get even more money off of that. This month's theme, can you tell us about that, John? This month's theme uh, tickles the fancy of anybody that would use the term Shocktober, uh, where they are going to deliver to you a bunch of things from classic horror properties. Uh, Michael Myers, uh, so the Halloween property, um, Friday the 13th, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the things that you think of when you think of horror, they're going to deliver to you. And it is, I can't wait to get my box. I'm so looking forward to it. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I'm excited too. And uh, please, please post pictures of your box so that people can uh, can see what great material they're getting. And if you want to see an unboxing, you can go to facebook.com slash the nerd party. And if you go to our video section, the media section, you'll see an unboxing. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And remember, the only sensible way to live is without rules. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.